good to be here with you again this morning, and uh, we're glad, too, that we can come with the confidence that God's here. Um, noticed a word in Byron's prayer this morning that didn't mean much to you all, maybe, but uh, it uh, fits right in with the message this morning. Um, Paul. Do you have an update that you could give the congregation in relation to D, or do they know everything they need to know already? Okay, if you don't mind. We're waiting to have a uh, stomach emptying test done, I believe it's September 28th, which seems like an eternity away. Um, She seems to be doing a little bit better. She's not having quite as much pain after she does eat. She's still not eating that much every day, but um, seems to be getting better. She doesn't seem to be having quite as much discomfort. Yesterday she felt pretty good, and she's only been out of the house like five times since this all began. I've lost track of weeks. I don't know if it's nine or ten or what. So we went out. I talked her into going out yesterday. I thought, well, it'll be good. Good to get you out. And, you know, I'll push in the wheelchair, whatever it takes, if you need to get out. And then on our way back from Lowe's, the truck broke down. We had to call, uh, what's your wife's name? Caleb. Lois. <laughs> I'm terrible with names. Y'all know that. And anyway, she came and uh, got D down, and I waited on the truck, tow truck, didn't have to wait too long. And uh, of course, she got a little dehydrated through all that process, so she was, um, yeah. So anyway, she's doing pretty good overall, uh, as far as um, she got a knee shot, she needed that, she was in pain, and uh, mainly from an activity and stuff from that. And she's going to get back to physical therapy hopefully in a few days, and that will help uh, some too. And they think they can actually treat her uh, condition through core exercises uh, and physical therapy. So things are looking up. Okay. I'm looking up all this. <laughs> Good. We, we studied about that in our Sunday school lesson this morning, looking to Jesus. Um, And so, uh, yeah, you know, my mind does crazy things, I guess, sometimes. But when Caleb was talking in the opening this morning, um, and this does not apply in your Christian life necessarily, okay? But it can apply in your work life. Uh, Somebody said something one time that went something like this. If you're not doing what you like, then like what you're doing. And that changes your perspective a good bit. You know, I wish I could do this, but I've got to do this. Well, then like what you got to do. Um, so, all right. I want to give another disclaimer. You all already know that I don't look at the Sunday school lesson typically until I get ready to preach. No, I'm not going down that line this morning, but it could come through as a contradiction to the Sunday school lesson, okay? Because the the Sunday school lesson talks about running. 
Do you like to wait? Anybody here that likes to wait? Anybody that waited and they were benefited from the wait? I was, yes indeed. What do you do when you have to wait? I wish that person would hurry up and get out of my way so I can get to where I want to go, right? Or is that just me? Well, see, it happened just yesterday. I went down to the bank, and yes, our bank's open on Saturday, the drive through and I pulled up, and it probably wasn't as long as what it seemed, but I had to wait a good while. You know, they would push the tray out, and the person would get something, and then they would put something back in, and then after what seemed like a long time, they would push the tray back out, and they would put... Uh, but I don't know what all that wait was about. Now, that's not when this message started, okay? So I'll give you a title, Waiting in an Instant Society. Now, you know, we talked about running with patience, running with perseverance. Uh, and in that running can be some waiting, maybe even some standing still. Um, did you ever find it a chore to wait? And this maybe is for particularly the young fellas in here. Uh, wait when you just felt like you just couldn't wait for mom to get that meal ready? I just can't wait that long. Well, we had an illustration of that in our Sunday school lesson this morning. Esau, I can't wait. I can't wait to the point where I'm going to sell my birthright. Now, that wasn't in my notes, but I did jot that little note down. Because, you know, it's, uh, sometimes it's difficult to wait when we have a desire for something. It might be a healthy desire even. There's sometimes benefits in waiting. How about those traffic delays? That usually happen when there's a deadline, and maybe I'm running two minutes late already. Well, it brought back a memory. We were uh, on our way to McDowell one Sunday morning. And we thought we had plenty of time. But we got behind somebody else that had plenty of time. And I don't know, I asked my wife a little bit this morning, and she thought he was going 25. I think he was going more like 15. And we got behind him before we got to the mountain. We followed him all the way to the top. He didn't bother to let anybody around. He got up there to the top where he could have just easily pulled off. He didn't. We followed him down the other side. I'm not sure if we were late that morning or not. I think we probably were, maybe just borderline. We left him plenty of time. 
wait. We wanted to be there. Now, that's not, I mean, I can't be from here to McDowell instantly, okay? I don't care how fast you are. So we were coming home that Sunday, and we got behind the same truck. Um, wait. Now, the, that's what comes to my mind. I, I'm sure that my waiting was not always Christ-like that day, okay? We need to wait sometimes. So I jotted something down this morning. We were coming up Route 11. We just about always come up Route 11. Then there was some... I don't know if it was, I think it was a man, but I'm not 100% sure. Got a nice pickup truck with handicap tags, and he wasn't going very fast. I don't know that I was following him real closely. He didn't pull off to the side of the road and let me around. He pulled across the double lines into the center and let me around. And then when I got past, he came back out again. Now, I wasn't running late for church this morning. I would have been gladly followed the man. Well, yeah, probably would have gladly followed him this morning because I knew what I was going to preach. Uh, and so it, you know, you, you just, it changes the perspective sometimes. So what is instant? You know, I said we're talking about waiting in, a, in an instant society. Um. And by the way, I should have gotten this one at the beginning. I wrote it in later. This is not just a present-day problem. Now, I don't, it's a little hard for me to understand. When I was growing up, we didn't have a lot of nice things. We didn't have a lot of things. And maybe that's, the, maybe that's where the blessing is. But it seemed like we had a whole lot more time to do things then than what we do now. And, you know, instant in most cases is at best second rate. So, instant coffee. You know, I said in most cases, so some of you here might love instant coffee. In my mind, it's second rate to good brewed coffee. Instant Potatoes. Now I can enjoy instant potatoes. But they're still not quite like mashed potatoes. Well, they really are. They're flakes of potatoes that are, well, anyhow. I'm talking to the people that know all about that. Instant savings. You get a coupon, you can save this right now. somebody talking about something that they bought on sale, but then they had to buy this and this and this and this to match it all up, and that uh, half-price thing that they bought cost them $125 before they left. We're living in a time of instant gratification. 
I want what I want when I want it. Like right now. Well, no. Um, I wanted it yesterday. I've already used that comment before. You know, when do you want this? Well, I wanted it yesterday. So what brought me to this point of going down this road for this, excuse me, for this morning? Well, I want to share a little article with you that I read this week. And then yesterday, I got Mark Helmuth's verse for the day. And it, I took it as a confirmation of what uh, I was thinking about. Now, if you're wondering what I'm talking about, Mark Helmuth's in my contacts, and he puts out a verse every day. And the verse yesterday morning, and then I'll give you that verse here in a little bit, um, was I took it as a confirmation of, of what we're talking about, waiting in an instant society. And this is the article that I read and this is based on Psalm 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. Waiting is much more difficult than walking. For waiting requires patience. And patience is a rare virtue. We enjoy knowing that God builds hedges around his people when we look at the hedge from the aspect of protection. You know, God puts a hedge around us for protection to keep things out. But when we see it growing higher and higher until we can no longer see over it, we wonder if we will ever get out of that little sphere of influence and service where we feel trapped. Sometimes it's hard for us to understand why we do not have a larger area of service, and it becomes difficult for us to brighten the corner where we are. But God has a purpose in all of his delays. Psalm 37, 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. George Mueller, in the margin of his Bible, by this verse, wrote this, And the stops, too. God orders the steps. He says, and the stops, too. It is a sad mistake for someone to break through God's hedges. It is a vital principle of the Lord's guidance for a Christian never to move from the spot where he is sure God has placed him until the pillar of cloud moves. You ever been to the point where you thought, and I'm not reading right now, you ever been to the point where you thought, well, you know, I could be so much more useful if I could do this, but God has me here. Then put your efforts there. Now put your efforts here, not there. Once we learn to, reading again, once we learn to wait for the Lord's leading and everything, we will know the strength that finds its highest point in, in an even and steady walk. Many of us are lacking the strength we so desire, but God gives complete power for every task he calls us to perform. Waiting keeping yourself faithful to his leading, this is the secret of strength. And anything that goes does not align with obedience to him is a waste of time and energy. Watch and wait 
for his leading. We must be considered a failure. I'm sorry. Must life be considered a failure for someone compelled to stand still, forced into inaction, and required to watch the great roaring tides of life from shore? No. Victory is then to be won by standing still and quietly waiting. Yet this is a thousand times harder to do than in the past when you rushed headlong into the busyness of life. It requires much more courage to stand and wait and still not lose heart or lose hope to submit to the will of God to give us opportunities for work and leave honors to others and to be quiet, confident, and rejoicing while the busy multitude goes happily along their way. Now this next one is taking a verse and I, it's taking it a wee bit out of context but I think it has a good point and that is this. The greatest life is, after you have done everything, to stand. Now, um, that, that goes on into an active life if you take that and go past it. That's the end of that reading that started my thoughts down this line. Now, the verse that Mark sent out yesterday was this. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. That's talking about Abraham. I'm going to read a few verses here in just a little bit, but... Um, This is from Hebrews, by the way. So, I got to thinking about Abraham. Think about the difficulties he would have saved himself in life if he would have stayed and waited for God's promises. You wouldn't have had that conflict between Ishmael and Isaac. You wouldn't have had some other things. Now, I'm not here questioning what why God allowed those things to happen. But he still waited for the promise. After he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. After he waited, he endured the promise, or he obtained the promise. I want to read a few verses from Hebrews 6. But, beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that... Company salvation, though we speak in this manner, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises." For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Now when God says to wait, and we wait, that is not becoming sluggish, as it says there in verse 12. 
God's saying, wait for my conditions. Now, yes, we don't just sit down on a chair and wait. We need to be busy where we are. Um, this, this thing of Abraham patiently enduring says, uh, from Strong says, to be long-spirited, forbearing or patient. Have long patience. And then he obtained, and I know we don't like to use the word chance. That's what it says in Strong's, to chance upon. Think about it a little bit. So Abraham waited, but it was God's promises, promise and God's fulfillment. Um, and then it has, by implication, to obtain. Now in there it has the word attain as well. That's more by human effort, but he obtained it, okay? After he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. I want to look at what happened to Saul. This was when he, according to the early part of 1 Samuel 13, about apparently a little after two years in his kingship, says this starting at verse 8, then he waited seven days. He waited. That was a good thing. According to the time set by Samuel. See, Samuel had set a time. He waited, which was good. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, Bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. Now, we have no record of the precise hour and minute that Samuel was coming to meet with Saul. Um, for some reason in my mind, it was uh, this would have been at the evening sacrifice. Now, I went back and looked, and I don't find that to be the precise case in there. But Saul thought he'd waited long enough. People are leaving. The Philistines are gathering. i got to do something. And so he offered a sacrifice, and there comes Samuel in. Verse 11, Samuel said, What have you done? Saul said, When I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Mishmash, then I said, The Philistines will come down on me at Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God. Oh, but I waited seven days. I waited. 
You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man for his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept the word, kept what the Lord commanded you. Now, yes, we know Saul had other failures. At one point, Saul was where he should have been in God's sight. And he waited. But not quite long enough. You know, sometimes our patience runs out too. At least mine does. I want to uh, look. Uh, I thought about this message this morning, and it's pretty heavy on Old Testament, okay? I don't necessarily apologize for that, but we find a lot about waiting in the Old Testament, particularly in the Psalms. But I'm going to look at something from the New Testament. Uh, after Jesus' resurrection... After his encounter with the two on the road to Emmaus, um, he said this, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. I'm sending the promised comforter to you, but wait here. You go over in Acts 1, verses 4 and 5. Being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Wait for the promise of the Father. Do we run ahead sometimes of God when we should wait for the Holy Spirit to prepare the way before us? How many times do we barge ahead with our plan only to find out that God had something else in mind, a better way? You know, it, it, you know we're convinced that God wants to reach out to people. Sometimes my way is just not proper timing. I think I have this quote correct. A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Maybe those people aren't quite ready for my pushing on. Maybe God needed a little more time to get them ready. I don't think Levi will mind if I say this here because I've already told him in private. I thought it was commendable. His, um, now I'm going to get a name wrong, his, his approach when he was in Peru with, um, I want to say Fernando, is that the, the one that you went to visit? Is that his name? Yeah, okay. Um, that he went determining that he was not going to push that subject. I think that was a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. 
then it's okay. God has his way. Sometimes I need to wait for him to get things ready to move ahead. I want to go down through a number of scriptures. I won't uh, give you time to turn to a lot of these. Might not cover them all. Just scriptures from the Psalms. The first one's actually from Isaiah about waiting on the Lord. Isaiah 30 says this, Now go write it before them on a tablet and take it, note it on a scroll that it may be for time to come forever and ever. That this is a rebellious people, lying children, children who will not hear the law of the Lord, who say to the seers, do not see, and to the prophets, do not prophesy to us right things. Speak to us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. Get out of the way. Turn aside from the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. That sound like today, maybe? There's a lot of that going on today. And I'm not talking about you here. I'm talking about in an instant society. They don't want anything to do with this thing of waiting on God. Lying children. Children that don't want to hear. Uh, seers don't see. Prophets don't prophesy. Tell us. Tickles our ears. Therefore, thus says the Holy One of Israel, because you despise this word and trust in oppression and perversity and rely on them, therefore this iniquity shall be to you like a breach ready to fall, a bulge in a high wall whose breaking comes suddenly in an instant. I get the picture there of a, of a dam that's just getting ready to burst. And it... When it bursts, there's calamity. There's devastation. And he shall break it like the breaking of the potter's vessel, which is broken in pieces. He shall not spare. So there shall not be found among its fragments a shard to take fire from the hearth or to take water from the cistern. There won't be a piece of that pot left big enough to scoop up a coal to start the fire or to scoop up a little water out of the cistern. And this is the verse I was after for this, this scripture. Verse 15 says, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Now I put that in the positive, okay? That verse doesn't end that way. The verse ends, and you would not. But I want to use it in the positive this morning. In returning and rest, shall be, you shall be saved in quietness and confidence shall be your strength. He said that's what you need, but you refused it. To repose that quietness. To be at ease. To be quiet to be at rest, to settle, to be still, and to trust. To be still, quietness and confidence, and to trust. That's where your strength is. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. 
Of whom shall I be afraid? Verse 3. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Skipping to verse 6, the last part. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy upon me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my mother, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me, O Lord, your way. And lead me in a smooth path. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then the psalmist says, wait. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. You know, when things are happening around us, it's not easy to sit and wait. It's not easy to not do something about it. Psalm 62. Psalmist says again, truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. And I noticed that in some of these weights, there is now W-A-I-T. There are different words used, and I don't understand them all. There's some similarities. Um... But this waiting, my soul, truly my soul waiteth upon God, has to do with the thought of silently or quietly waiting. And then you get down in verse 5, it says, my soul Wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. And I noticed there was some of these verses I'm reading from the New King James this morning, and I noticed in the New King James it says this for verse 5, My soul wait silently for God alone. And that comes back to that Hebrew word that's used there, Waiting silently. To be dumb. To be astonished. To perish. To be cut down. To hold peace. To quiet self. And so forth. 
all parts of that definition of silently waiting for God alone. For my expectation is from him. Psalm 33 verse 20 says, Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Psalm 130 verse 6 says, My soul waits for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. Now, I don't... uh, (laughs) I've gotten up at all kinds of hours of the morning and night uh, in my life. Um... My flesh gets pretty weak sometimes when that alarm clock goes off. But it it is amazing. Sometimes God's a better alarm clock than what my alarm clock is. And so this morning I woke up a little earlier and some of these things were rolling through my mind. And I thought I had this thing about done. And these verses started coming to my mind at about 20 minutes after 5. And I decided it was time to get up and start writing some things down. Because if I don't write them down, I forget them pretty quickly. Then... uh, that so, um, yeah, it's I'm trying to think if I ought to say this here because I don't want to distract from this, but that's a little bit the way it is in life. I mean, we can have a visitor here and they can tell me their name and I can turn around and I can, what was his name? I, I just, uh, I was scolded, I felt scolded one time. When somebody said the reason you don't remember names is because you don't consider the person important enough. I guess I owe Jennifer an apology then. Because I've known her all her life and sometimes I still draw a blank when I think of her name. Uh, So uh, I'm not sure that that is 100% correct. But yes, I can make some contact connections sometimes. I mean, somebody tells me their name is Harold or something like that. I can remember it because my father was Harold. Um, But then I get down the road, now did he say Harold or Howard? So it's, yeah. I want to finish up with some verses from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Selah. Think about that. A help in trouble, the waters roaring, the mountains shaking, God's our refuge and strength. Think about it. Verse 4, there is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Think about that. Selah. Verse 8, Come behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. And then verse 10 says, Be still. Wait. 
and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Think about that. And wait on him. We have a song, please. <laughs>